How many of you guys believe in coincidences? Awesome. No one raising that. <laughs> it's a trick question. I mean, depends on what your view of coincidence is. But, but I, don't, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that God, in his almighty wisdom, has laid out a plan and a purpose for everything we go through. I don't think it's a coincidence that the division that's going on in the world, in our country, has made its way into the church. You know, the, the Bible says the Lord commands a blessing where there is unity. And the enemy knows that. That a, uh, a nation, a family, a church, whatever it is that's come together and is working together as every piece should be, is an unstoppable force. So to drive a wedge in there and to get that split up, that's, that's a powerful move by the enemy. I don't believe it's a coincidence that Pastor Jay's been preaching on sanctification for the past four weeks. Because sanctification prepares us for those things. It gets us ready for the things the enemy has for us. It pulls us out of the world and into God's kingdom and brings us into his hedge of protection. I don't think it's a coincidence that we had a meeting last week and I, he kind of hinted that he wanted someone to preach. My wife, who usually volunteers when there's an opening, wasn't there. So I reiterated that I'm, I'm always ready. I mean... The way I look at it, every, every Sunday I'm up here, I could easily turn the things I say into a sermon. I'm all, I'm, I've always got something. I don't think that was a coincidence. Because the Lord's been brewing things in my life, in my devotions, in my study, that I think go right along with everything that's going on. In the church, in the world, in our church, in our homes, everything. But the enemy can still sneak in there and try to steal that. Distract you. Get you knocked off your haunches. And get you re- not ready for an attack. So, Father, we just thank you that there are no coincidences, that you aren't surprised by anything we go through, that you are in control at all times. We may not give you recognition for it, but we do trust you, Lord. You're faithful in all your ways. We'll go through hard times. Things may suck sometimes, Lord, but we trust you, that you have a plan, a purpose for everything we go through. And you have a plan for this word this morning. I just ask that you would surrender my spirit unto your spirit this morning, Lord, and that you would have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If it's okay with you guys, I'd like to talk some more about sanctification. Because I, I think it is a very important thing. I think we... I mean, I'll speak... This, this word was for me. Okay, I, I, I got this through my devotions and my study. And this is something that I needed. And I, I'm, I, I know I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's at least one other person in this room that needs to hear this. But sanctification tends to be a scary thing for us. But it is very important. It gives us the ability... When we go through things, things that may suck, things that may bring us down, things that may bring us, as we sang this morning, morning, sorrow for the night, but joy in the morning. Because we may not see how things are going to play out. We may not see the plan that God has for it. We may not see the way it's going to work out for us in the end. But if we're sanctified, if we're drawn into his kingdom, if we're set apart from this world, we don't need to see that because we can see what he's done for us in the past. We can see that he was faithful for us in everything else we went through leading up to this point, And he hasn't brought us this far to bring us this far. You know, I was hearing chicks chirping all morning. And I was, you know, there's that, the Psalm 91 that, that you'll abide under the shelter of the Almighty. And that picture of a, a mother hen hiding her chicks. And I was thinking about the, the way that the, the chirp you hear a chick make when it's around its mom. The chicks are always chirping. But the chirp it makes 
is a lot, when it's around his mom, is a lot different when someone gets between him and his mom. The mom starts chirping. The baby starts chirping. They're trying to find each other and get back to each other because they got separated. We go through things. We're under that shelter of the Almighty. We go through things. We still might chirp a little bit. We still may complain a little bit. We still may think, we may even grumble a little bit. But we're in that shelter of the Almighty. So we can, we can be comfortable and rest in His shade. That's what sanctification brings. We're not separated from our Father. We're sanctified. We're pulled into His presence. But we have to keep at it. You know, those chicks have to pay attention to where their mom's going. Otherwise, next thing you know, they're five feet away. And someone walks down the sidewalk between them and it's, everything goes haywire. They're scrambling. They're trying to get back to each other. We have to maintain that sanctification because little things will come. Distractions will come trying to get us out of God's presence, trying to get us away from him. So when something big comes along, we're not comfortable. We're scrambling. Okay, first I got to get back to God and then I know I'll be okay. First I got to deal with this and then I'll be okay. Instead of just saying, I'm okay. I'm here already. I'm in his presence. I'm sanctified. We got to keep at it. Sanctification, there's no, there's no neutral. There's no cruise control. You're either becoming more sanctified or you're becoming less sanctified. God doesn't want to share people. He doesn't want to share lordship of your life. You know, Pastor Jay said this morning, we get, we get comfortable. We sit back. We go through a big trial. We take a deep breath. Man, that was tough, Lord, but you brought me through it. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to rest here for a little bit. I'm just going to take it easy if you let me. And then the enemy comes in and kicks that stool off from underneath you. And you're on your butt because you, you let things go on cruise control. And that's a bad place to be. Because like, just like those little chicks, the first reaction is a scramble instead of the Lord's got this. Yeah, you may chirp a little bit, but the Lord's got it. <laughs> you know, God warned the Israelites about this. I've been reading the Old Testament and in Deuteronomy. I mean, they're just getting ready to go into the promised land. Moses has given them their final address. And he's just giving them warning after warning after warning after warning after. It's like, man, Moses, he's laying into these people. And in chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 10, it says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good, the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine homes and settle down, when your herds grow and your flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty, waterless land, with the venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. And then down in 19 says, If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow the other gods and worship and bow down to, to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Israel went from this place of watching God work in a mighty way, in miraculous ways. And then to a place where they couldn't trust him to bring him into the land. Then they had to go through this 40-year thing in the wilderness. You guys all know the story. But they finally get to this point where 
They're sanctified. They're ready for the promised land. And God bring, is getting ready to bring them in. And he warns them, don't forget. And, you know, me and my natural, how could they ever forget the parting of the Red Sea, the ten plagues on Egypt? But you do. You forget. How could I ever forget the way God's provided for, provided for my family in miraculous ways? But I do. I don't, it's not that I forget, but you just, you get comfortable. You don't forget, but you forget. You forget God's goodness. You kind of think, man, I, you know, we, I did okay. I did all right getting here. We get soft. We let our guard down. Then the enemy can, can bring things in and then scramble time. Then we're not just chirping a little bit. We're screaming, God, where are you? I can't find you. Where are you in this situation? Instead of that just little chirp, make sure God knows you're still there like the, the chicks do. But sanctification, yeah, it's important, but it's intimidating. I think there's been a, a, an awesome shift in the view of sanctification and holiness in the church in the past few years. But I think up to that point, it's, it's, and it still bleeds into the church these days. That It's a scary thing because we think the first thing that pops in your head when you think of sanctification is what? Anybody? Holiness. Holiness, right? And then we think, okay, God's holy. God is perfect. Therefore, holiness must mean perfection. And then we think, wait, I'm, I'm not perfect. I just, I just did this. I'm, not, I'm obviously not I must not be holy. If I'm not holy, am I, am I being sanctified? Am I even saved? We get in this spiral of where, where, where am I at? But like it, let me just squash that. Sanctification, holiness is not about perfection. Pastor Jay said it perfect this morning. God is holy because there is nothing else, no one else like him. He is other than everything else. He is, he is three times holy because there is nothing like him. We can be holy because we can be different than the world, but we'll be like each other. So we're one time holy. God's three times holy. There's nothing ever was, ever will be anything like him. So when we're different, when we're set apart for him, we become holy. And sanctification is simply the process of becoming holy. And it has nothing, it, again, it has nothing to do with perfection. I can prove it to you. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy 23. So this is a little bit further along in the story. Israel's conquered a couple little kingdoms now. They're, they're, they're this sea of people that has been delivered out of Egypt, delivered through this wilderness, is on the, their, their way into Canaan. And they've, they've defeated a couple of nations in this one Leader Balak sees this people coming. He sees this sea of people, this uh, swarm, he calls them. The swarm of people sitting at his gates, ready to wipe him out. He gets a little nervous. So he, he gets someone to come and curse Israel, to try and curse Israel. And the man, Balaam, basically tells him straight up, look, I'll try, but if God's blessed them, if God doesn't want me to do it, I'm not going to do it. If he's blessed them, I'm not going to do it. So he takes them up to this mountaintop and says, look at, look at this force coming against me. What chance do I have? Curse them so that I might have a chance. And I, I love this. I don't, I've, never, I've never noticed this before, but Deuteronomy 23.9, it says, let's see, get there fast. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. That, sound, that sounds a lot like holiness to me. They live apart. They're different than the other nations. How can I curse them the Lord, if the Lord's blessed them? How can I denounce them if the Lord is for them? They are different than the other nations. 
That's the NIV translation. My translation would be, I see a holy people, a people who have been sanctified for God. That's all saying. If anybody here thinks Israelites were perfect, come see me after class and we'll have a little talk. Because they were not perfect. They were, they were, not to put myself on a pedestal, I'm I'm a little better than some of the Israelites were. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, They were not perfect. They struggled. And you'll even see in a few chapters where they blew it again. But, But they were holy. They were sanctified. They were under God's protection. They were in his hedge of protection. They couldn't be cursed. The enemy had a direct attack on them. And he couldn't do it because they were sanctified. God had sanctified them to get them ready to enter the promised land. They couldn't enter the promised land until they were sanctified. So, I'd like to propose a new definition of sanctification this morning. Sanctification is simply the process of God preparing you for what He's prepared for you. Sanctification is simply the process of God preparing you for what He's prepared for you. And ultimately, we all know what's prepared for us. We have the promised land. We have heaven. And to be honest, if I was zapped into heaven right now, I might feel a little out of place. I'm not fully ready for heaven. Especially not in this body. Probably not in my mind in some ways, in my spirit in some ways. I'm not fully ready for heaven to go into it right this instant. But I mean, ultimately, there will come a point where I'm sanctified into heaven. But there's a process we have to go through to get ready. That's sanctification, the process of getting us ready for what God's got ready for us, preparing us for what God's prepared for us. The bummer is, it's different for everybody. I can't tell you how to be sanctified, Dwayne. I can't tell you, Dennis. It's different for everybody. Some people, it's real short. You know, think of the thief on the cross. He didn't go through much sanctification. And then you think of Job, the sanctification he went through to prepare him for the kingdom. But it doesn't matter what you're going through. That sanctification process brings the same result. You're ready for what God has for you. I don't think Job's up in heaven right now complaining, God, it just isn't fair. You killed my kids. You took all my stuff. And this guy knew you for three minutes, and he's here with me in heaven. How is that fair? Every time they walk past each other on the golden streets, Job just gives them a stink eye like you can't imagine. <laughs> you, don't, you don't deserve to be here. No, you won't be thinking about that. Whatever your journey, sanctification journey is, you're going to give God glory in the end. Yes. So sanctification prepares us for heaven. That's what God, God's prepared for us. But there's also things that we go through in this world that we need to be prepared for. Who goes through stuff in here? <laughs> Who's going through stuff in here? Yeah, sometimes it's small stuff, sometimes it's big stuff. We all go through it. It's a cycle. Sanctification prepares you for things, and those things sanctify you. Round and round. Sometimes it's a vicious cycle. Sometimes it's not so bad. But it's a cycle. We have to be sanctified to be ready for things, and then when we go through things, we'll be more sanctified. We'll be more ready for the next thing, because the next thing's going to be bigger. Right? Sometimes, usually. It's not a cakewalk. It's an uphill journey. I want you to think about a time where you went through something and you blew it. Maybe you grumbled to God. Maybe you went off the handle with somebody. Maybe you just slept for three days because you were depressed because you thought God had forgotten about you. But think of a time where you just 
blew something out of proportion and just lost it. You failed. You blew it in God's eyes. Everybody got something? Now think of a time where you went through something that seemed unsurmisable, something that was impossible. But you said, you know what? I'm going to trust you, Lord, because you were faithful here. I'm going to trust you because you were faithful then. Yeah, you may have chirped, but you trusted God. Okay, you got something there? Now think of where your relationship with God was, those two instances. I'm not a betting man, but I'd be willing to bet that the first time where you blew it, you may have been a little bit away from the Father. You may have allowed some, someone to walk down the sidewalk between you and the Father, just like a chicken those the hen. To where first was the scramble, then was the comfort. And I'm willing to bet the second time is because you were sanctified. You were in his hedge of protection, just like those Israelites were. You were right there with the Father. Our reactions to the things we go through are directly proportionate to our relationship with the Father. Think about it. I mean, I, I could be up here all day. This time I blew it, I wasn't walking with God. This time I handled things pretty good, I was close to God. Time after time, it's directly proportionate. Because if you're not, if you're, at least for the Christian, if you're, not a, if you're a Christian and you go through something and you're not walking intimately with the Father, the first thing is a scramble. It's a panic. i got to get back to God. And then I'll be all right. But when you're walking in that sanctification, when you're giving Him the glory for the things He brings into your life, when you're walking intimately with Him, Big or small, things are going to come, and you'll be okay. You may, it may suck. I mean, it may, it, it will. I mean, we go through things that, that suck. But we know that the, joy, the sorrow only lasts for the night. That we know ultimately it's going to be good. Because we have promises, we have um, examples of when he's been faithful to us, and those bad things, those sucky things, turned into good things. Actually, they turned into better than what we could have imagined, but let's not get too carried away. (laughs) You know, a good example of this, of the reaction of going through something and being far from God, and going through something and being close to God, is the Israelites again. Think about the two times. I mean, this is a per- actually, this is a perfect example because this is two times they go through the exact same thing. And the response they have is completely different. The two times they approach the promised land. Okay, everybody, you guys are pretty familiar with the story. First attempt, they get there. God says, send some spies in. So M- Moses picks 12 leaders from each tribe, sends them in. They spend 40 days scouting out the land. Ten come back, say, we can't do this. Two say, we can't, but God can. They start spreading discord among the nations. And listen, listen to this response. This is in Numbers 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If we only had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Forget this, God. Forget you, God. Forget you, Moses. We're going back to Egypt. And then we know, we know the situation. God says, you know what? I'm done with them. They're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Not one of them will enter the promised land. Okay, so 40 years later, guess where Israel is? 
right on the border of the promised land. They're at the, actually at the, the base of this impenetrable fortress. And, Mo, and God pulls Moses aside, or Joshua aside. Sorry, Moses is dead now. Joshua aside and gives him the game plan. He says, okay, go tell, go tell the people the game plan. And I kind of imagine Joshua kind of walking slow, looking over, sort of waiting for God to say, I'm just kidding. That's not really the plan because that plan's ridiculous. You're going to march around this city one time a day for six days and march around seven times and the walls are going to fall down. That's, I was just kidding, Joshua. I'm glad you trusted me, though. But no, God doesn't do that. That's the plan. So Joshua goes and tells the people that. Okay, guys, here's the plan. I, I can't imagine telling this plan. If we're going to march around this city once a day for six days, quiet. The priests are going to go up front. There's going to be a small army or a contingent with them. The army's going to be in the back. They're going to be praising the Lord. We're going to march, march around the city once a day for six days. Here's the, here's the kicker. On the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. And then we're going to shout, and the walls are coming down. I mean, I'm a sarcastic guy, so that's probably how I would have said it. <laughs> but you know what's not in the Bible? That plan sucks, Joshua. That plan sucks, God. Let's go back to Egypt. Yeah, there may have been like stone silence and disbelief, like looking at each other like, what, what, what is going on here? But they obeyed. There was none of this, let's go back to Egypt, guys. We're, yeah, it's been 40 years, but I'm sure they'll let us back in. I'm sure they miss us still. Let's go back. This, this, this ain't going to work out. There was none of that. They obeyed. And guess what happened? Those walls came down. And again, Pastor Jay alluded to it this morning. Shortly thereafter, they blew it again and allowed some garbage into their camp. They allowed something to come into their lives that separated them from God. They were no longer sanctified. They were no longer holy. They were an enemy of God at that point. And he had to bring judgment on them. So what, what's the difference? What brought about this change? I mean, like I said, this is the exact same group of people doing the exact same thing with two completely different responses. Yeah, I know the, the argument could be made that, no, it wasn't the exact same people because this was their children. It was a different generation. But believe me, had the people that were there the first time spent those 40 years just complaining and grumbling and grumbling and complaining, those kids would have grown up doing the exact same thing. I believe, the Bible doesn't say it, but I believe, at least to my knowledge it doesn't say it, that the Israelites learned their lesson. The punishment wasn't 40 years in the wilderness. The punishment was, you can't enter the promised land. The 40 years in the wilderness was a sanctification process. There's, the, there's that cliche saying, it, it took one night to get the Israelites out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. I believe those parents recognized where they blew it, they took those lessons from God. They saw the way he provided for them and passed that faith on to their kids. So when they got to that same exact situation, actually a, a more challenging situation because they had to conquer the land without even fighting. Yeah. They, they disobeyed. They were sanctified at that point. That's the difference. In the first instance, they still had Egypt in their heart. Egypt was right, right there on the, the, the forefront of their minds. I'm hungry. Let's go back to Egypt. At least we had food. I'm thirsty. Let's go back to Egypt. We had water there. I'm hot. Yeah, there was some shade in Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. Egypt was still in their hearts. This is hard. I don't want to do this. This sucks. Moses, you suck. God, you suck. Let's go back to Egypt. Wow. We tried, but this ain't working out. Let's go back to Egypt. That's, that's the first response. That's the first group of people. 
Everything that everything they went through brought them away from God and toward Egypt. When you're in a place where things can get between you and God, there's only one direction you can go. Back to the world. Away from him. Keep those things out of there. God warns them over and over again. Don't allow this garbage to get back into the camp. Kill everybody. Destroy all their stuff. Don't bring anyone back with you. Don't bring back any idols. Because the moment you do, you're starting that process of getting away from me. And then you're going back to Egypt. The second time, their response was completely different. I'm hungry. We were hungry. But God gave us food. We were thirsty. He brought water from a rock. It was hard. We didn't think we could do it, but he pulled us through. It sucks sometimes. Moses was a jerk sometimes. But God is good. He was good. He is good. He's good all the time. All the time he's good. This time is included in all time, so this time he's going to be good too. Let's just trust he's got a plan for it. That's that's a completely different response brought on by a, a sanctification process in the heart. You know, my favorite, my favorite part of sanctification is that it's communal. Faith, that muscle, is communal. I can hear a testimony of a way God's done miraculous things for Pastor Jay and Pastor Gretchen, and it sparks something, faith that I need for something I'm going through. I can watch a video on YouTube of a testimony of someone being raised from the dead, and it sparks faith in my life. I can hear a song that speaks to my spirit, and it revives me. I don't have to be there. You don't have to be there. That's why I love testimony time so much. I can share a testimony that sparks something in Derek's life. It's communal. We don't have to go through it directly to benefit from it. My being sanctified can help Matt be sanctified. It's not going to fully get him there, but it might get him through something he's going through. Imagine if other things were like that. If you go watch a video on YouTube of some guy working out, and all of a sudden you start gaining some muscle and leaning down a little bit, wouldn't that be cool? I'd spend a lot more time on YouTube, probably. (laughs) Or you could be an expert at something just by watching someone else practice. You can do that with sanctification. You can do that with faith. By other people's faith, you can feed off that and grow from it. It's communal. That's why it's so important to share the things we're going through. Because when we don't, things fester, things get out of proportion, things get between us, then there's division. Sorry, I lost my place. The problem with the challenge is you go through things and you think, okay, I'm ready for the next one. And the next one's bigger. So it's this uphill battle. You go through something, and the next one's bigger. You go through something, you get ready, but that one's bigger. So it's constantly pushing you to get more sanctified. There is no, like I said, there's no idle. There's only forward and reverse. Uphill, downhill. Closer to God, farther from God. So it's important to walk in that place. Give him credit for everything he does. Don't take credit for the little things, even when you can yeah, I could give God credit for that, but I, you know, I kind of did that myself. No, give him the glory. Keep yourself sanctified. Keep his presence part of your life constantly. Because believe me, bigger things are coming. 
Bigger storms are coming. Hard things are going on right now, but bigger things are coming. We got to always be prepared. And sanctification is what allows us to get there, to stay there, to be ready for those things. That's why I don't think it's a coincidence that we are this morning. Because we have to be prepared. And maybe we weren't fully prepared for some of the things. You know, I've went through big trials. We've went through big trials as a family. You think, okay, that was 18 months ago. Let's stop talking about that. Let's, we're, we're good now. Everything's good. And the next thing you know, you get an email from your landlord saying that you've got to be out of your house in 60 days. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't see that one coming. Of course, yeah. Does, does, it, does it suck a little bit? Yeah, I have four kids. I, you know, housing, the housing situation on Maui right now isn't that great, people. I'm sure most of you know that. So it's like, what, what, God? What, does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, yeah, it's already been hard. But he was faithful then, so I'm going to trust him now. He was faithful there, so I'm going to trust him here. And the, the lesson that I got out of all this is that I don't know what tomorrow holds. I think this might be an old hymn. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And he was faithful yesterday, so I know he'll be faithful then also. And that's, that's, that's a genuine, that's us, not me talking. That's, that's genuinely the way I feel in my heart right now. Yeah, it's going to suck. It does suck. I'm blown away by it, but I'm not, I'm not losing sleep. I'm not depressed, crying in my pillow. I trust God. And whatever the outcome is, he's got it. He's, he's, he hasn't brought me and my family this far to bring us this far. And I could not stand here today. I wouldn't be able to talk to you if I wasn't in communion with God. If I wasn't sanctified. If I wasn't, un, if I wasn't confident in the ability to say, I am under his hedge of protection. And he's got this under control. So I hope that helps somebody because it definitely helped me.